Our gospel lesson for today, the third Sunday of Easter, comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 48. While they were talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I've noticed over the course of the last decade or so, I mean really longer than that, but definitely in the last 10 years, the uptick in superhero movies. Superhero movies are everywhere. And the thing about them is when new characters are introduced, it seems like almost always, not every time, but almost always, we have to have the origin story. We have to get the background of what brought this individual person, this individual, indiv this individual, I'm saying individual, who brought this individual from normalcy towards being somehow super, to, to gain these different abilities. Now, they always have different backgrounds. They always have different things that, that, that tend to happen that give them these amazing abilities. Sometimes it's, it, I mean, it can be any number of things. And if you've seen any of these movies, you know what I'm talking about. And it's been going on for a long time and it's definitely gotten very, very, very popular. Now, that being said, I can't help but think that Jesus would be a great superhero story. I mean, think about it. Think about what we know of Jesus. Look at his background. Jesus is a man who's also God. I mean, that in its very nature is making for one great comic book setup, isn't it? But it goes on. And we have all these different stories of these amazing things that Jesus is able to do because he is somehow different. Some of the stories we have are in the scriptures, or most of them are in the scriptures, but we have other stories as well, these alternate gospels that sometimes I read and I think they're, they're interesting, and we don't count them as, as scriptural canon, but, but they're still interesting stories, and some of them feature Jesus as a boy. And I, I've often wondered, beyond those couple little snippets that we have in Luke's gospel, like, what do we know about Jesus as a boy? Well, in these other stories, there's this one story where Jesus is, is out playing with his friends, and one of his friends has a frog. And I don't remember exactly why, if Jesus got mad at this other kid, or if he got mad at the frog, or if it was an accident, but somehow he steps on the frog and kills it. And the other boy, the other friend, is so upset about it that Jesus picks up the frog. The boy Jesus picks up the frog and somehow resurrects it, brings it back to life. 
interesting, right? There's another story along the same veins, but it escalates ever so slightly. Again, this is just a story. I'm not saying this actually happened, but there's this story that Jesus actually gets mad at one of his friends and strikes him dead. And then the child's father is so angry, he goes and finds Joseph and is like, hey, your kid killed my kid. Do something about that. And so Joseph's like, Jesus, what are you doing, man? Come on. Can you do anything about this? I know you're special. Can you do anything special? And so Jesus resurrects this boy, brings him back to life. These are amazing stories right out of a comic book, right? Right out of one of those comic book movies. It goes on from there. And as Jesus grows up and we have these different stories in the scriptures, the amazing things that he does, the miracles that he, he performs, these things that he does that are almost super because they go beyond the human ability, <clears throat> the regular human ability. It's all kind of right in there. But all of that being said, I can't help but think that where we are at right now in this season is beginning to show a little bit of one of those origin stories when we really begin to see things are different. Here in the season of Easter, the Sundays following Easter, the resurrection of our Lord, or Easter Sunday as we call it, was a couple of weeks back. And last week and this week and going on, we continue to have these different stories of the resurrected Jesus appearing to different individuals. We hear it in different settings, we hear different people, we hear different types of situations throughout the different gospels that we both those that we have featured as well as some of the other stories that we have not featured here in worship but they all seem to have this in common that somehow jesus is now different he is somehow now changed and we hear about these different situations apparently there's something that's different about jesus both physically as well as, as uh, mainly physically, I think is probably the best way to say it, but he seems to have these new, uh, new abilities to do things that maybe weren't there before. Apparently he can walk through walls. Locked doors don't seem to matter. We hear multiple different stories where Jesus is just kind of suddenly standing there among them. One of them is today. We hear about how apparently he's, it's hard to recognize Jesus. Mary Magdalene in the garden thinks he's the gardener doesn't recognize him for for being who he is until he says her name and it's only in that that she begins to see that oh that's jesus right before this story we in luke's gospel we have the story of the road to emmaus when two of jesus lesser known disciples are walking from jerusalem back to the village of emmaus and as they walk jesus is actually walking with them and talking with them they're having this back and forth interaction they don't know it's him until later on when he breaks the bread with him and it's only in the breaking of the bread that they are able to recognize him and they're so excited that they jump up and they run off and they go back and find the disciples and that's where things pick up today Last week in, in worship, if you saw the video or if you were here in person, we had the story of, that we commonly know as Doubting Thomas. When it's the night of the resurrection and Jesus shows up in a locked room and he shows them his hands and his feet and he shows them the wound in his side and then Thomas isn't there. And then a week later, he shows up again and does the same thing again. We have these different things, these different stories, and now we have this one where they're all talking. The, the disciples, they're in the locked room. They're actually talking with the two guys from Emmaus. That, that, that has just happened. And, and now they're, they're, they're wondering about these things. We keep hearing these stories about Jesus being alive. He's alive again. He was dead, and now he's alive. The women saw him. You two guys saw him. Apparently Peter saw, saw him. What's going on here? And as they talk, there is Jesus. Now, logic says that none of this should be possible. He was dead. And despite what you people have said, he's dead. There's no coming back from that. We're in a locked room. No one can get in. And yet suddenly, there he is. So the obvious logical explanation, he's a ghost. 
and they're freaking out. But Jesus tells them, no, I am not a ghost. It is me. Look at my hands and my feet. It is me. And then he asks them for some food because apparently ghosts don't eat. So eating a piece of fish is another good giveaway. Now, I bring all of this stuff up, all of this comparison to superheroes, because Jesus is somehow changed. That now here in the reality of the resurrection, which he is living in in this moment, and which his various individuals that he encounters are beginning to see and, and, and encounter through him, even if they themselves have not yet experienced it. All of these things are bringing about a change. And in many of these stories, we saw it last week, we've seen it today, and we see it in others as well. Jesus has these signs that he shows them, and it's his hands and his feet. I always ask the question, why do that? And we heard that last week. The marks of the nails are in his hands. The marks of the nails are in his feet. We also hear at times of the mark of the spear in his side. It seems that Jesus, even now, post-resurrection, or living in the reality of the resurrection, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, he still bears the marks of the crucifixion. I also wonder, even though we never hear about it, does he have scratches around his forehead and scalp? From the crown of thorns? Is his back ripped and torn from the whips that he endured? Are those marks still there as well? And I think they probably are. If the marks of the crucifixion are still there, the torture is likely there as well. Now I bring this up. I think it's important for us to remember. Jesus is alive again. He's in the resurrection, but the resurrection does not erase the crucifixion. It does not erase the pain. It does not erase death. It may overcome it, but it does not erase it. It does not make it so that it did not happen. This is the reality that we proclaim, that Jesus was alive and then he was dead and now he's alive again. This resurrection thing somehow makes him different. It's different than the life he had previously lived, but it does not erase it nor does it erase the barrier that lies between them. This is always important for us to remember, that we have a God that can take death and make new life out of it, but that does not make that old life go away. And the things, the pain, the hurt, the turmoil, all of those things are not erased, and the marks are still there. This is something important for us to remember I think every day of our lives, because as we know, when we are honest about life, life is not perfect. Life is hard. And those hardships, whatever they are, whether they are, are physical or whether they are emotional or whether they are spiritual or whatever, those hardships, those difficulties, those things that are tense and hard in this world leave their marks upon us. And this year, perhaps more than ever, we're aware of that. And we're all in one way or another bearing the marks of this ongoing pandemic, this hard, hard, hard year. It wasn't just the pandemic. There was all kinds of other stuff that, were, that was going on in the last year, things that we talked about month after month after month. It was relentless. And this first part of the new year, even though there's some encouraging things, it's starting off plenty hard too, isn't it? And we bear the marks. Think about it. Some of us have dealt with illnesses not just COVID, but various illnesses or procedures, and they've left literal marks upon us. Some of us have encountered all kinds of hardships. Perhaps for you, those hardships, maybe it's a lost job. 
Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's, it's, it's things that just didn't turn out like you hoped they would and, and things are not going well and the turmoil that comes with it, the pain that comes with it. Some of the marks we can see and some are more within us or, or, or are scarring our souls, if you want to say it that way. But those things are still there. I was talking with one of our members here a couple of weeks ago, pre-Easter, before Easter, talking about just the difficulties that we're all facing and how none of this stuff feels like it's supposed to. And sometimes that's really, really hard. But we remembered the truth that we have a God that somehow creates new life out of death, even in the moments when it might not feel like it. I can only imagine for those disciples, for those people who are closest to Jesus, for the women who watched it happen, for those who walked with him and traveled with him, all of these people who knew him and cared about him and loved him, watching him die and then knowing he was dead in the tomb must have been horrific. And it must have been almost impossible for them to really begin to wrap their heads around the possibility that now something new has happened. And yet that was the truth. And we hear that they doubt. And we hear that they're in disbelief. And we hear that they don't understand what's going on. None of us truly understand what it means to live in the reality of the resurrection. And we don't know what it's going to look like and what it's go we're going to experience when we become a part of that promise. But we are given that promise through God. That promise in the claim that God makes upon us, you are my beloved child. That claim that also lies upon Jesus and we share it. This is part of our baptismal liturgy and one that we focus on and we remember whenever we encounter funerals and literal death. We remember that we have been united with Jesus in a baptism like his. And in that claim, in that baptism, we are given the claim, beloved child of God. And because of that, we will also ultimately join with him in a death like his. But the promise remains that one day, somehow, some way, we will also join with him in a resurrection like his. That is the promise that we are given. And we know in the midst of that, as wonderful and as much hope as we can and do find in that, that does not erase the hardships which we are currently feeling. We can be real about that. We should be real about that. We should be honest about that. In fact, that's what we are called to do, to be honest about the realities of life, but to recognize the promise that these hardships will ultimately be overcome and that we are able to live in the joy and the hope and of that promise which has been made to all of us. When we live in that reality, when we share that reality with one another, we begin to see this world just a little bit brighter. It's not overcome. The darkness is still there, but we can see the light of God shining, and sometimes we're able to reflect it out to others as well. This is what we are called to do when we are witnesses, just like Jesus says to the disciples. You are my witnesses to all of this. We too are called to be witnesses and to recognize the truth, the hardships, the pain, even the death, all of those things are real. But the promise is that somehow it has been overcome and that we have been promised to share in that.